Welcome to the Lynn Sanity, a podcast for the Running Book Podcast Network. another edition of the Lynn Sandy podcast, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And before we get going on this particular podcast, don't be afraid to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to rate five stars because you think I'm sexy, that's a great way and a great idea. However, if you want to say that you want to do like a two and a half star, just blame it on Alex, even though I could get fired for saying it. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, listen, Shady Sanity, Shady Sanity wasn't that bad. (laughs) No, it it, it was it was good. Shout out to Bryce. I I never went on the air and talked about it. My personal preference was always the Bryce is right. But hey, you know, it's whatever. Well, we all know Bryce hasn't been right in the playoffs, but I mean, at the same time, we uh, we we all have been, uh, you know, having a great time. Uh, So don't be afraid to to rate, to review, to subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, you know, talk to us on Twitter, mention us on Twitter, any thoughts that you have, anything that you want to discuss with us and uh, we'll greatly appreciate it. And uh, here we go with the start of this podcast. And so we'll talk uh, Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee first. We'll talk Brooklyn and Milwaukee first, because obviously uh, there's some big news that developed in this series regarding James Harden. James Harden is going to play in game five after Kyrie Irving. And his ankle situation, which we talked about on the Lynn Sandy just posted recently. So I don't want to get into that very much. Uh, but JD, James Harden is coming back in this series. What what are your initial thoughts on that? And do you think it's the right decision? If he's healthy, absolutely. Uh, my thoughts goes, well, what a way to replace Kyrie. You bring in the former MVP, James Harden, <laughs> if he's healthy. And to be completely honest, this is the craziest thing. I think that Harden actually might be healthy. I think Harden probably could have played around game three. But because the series was going the way it was, they wanted to just hold him out, let him continue to rest up and get better. But if it was an imminent thing like it is now, I think he's ready to go. I, I mean, we got to think, this the same one that carried the load most of the season when the other two went out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, 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 I'm all for it. I think that this was probably his chance to, you know, just – Rest up, get get healthy. When we need you, come be yourself. I I think um if if he's healthy, if my assumptions are right about what I just said, I I think Harden comes out and put on the show. Alex, what are your initial thoughts on him coming back? And you know, I think a lot of people expected that he would be out for the series, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he's doubtful, and then all of a sudden he's questionable. And then all of a sudden he's going to play. Um, what what do you think about the way that Brooklyn's going to handle that? Is it and is it a play that you would do if you're maybe Harden or if you're Nash or whoever? What what do you think? So okay, what JD said is absolutely right. If he's healthy, this is the right move. Yeah. But we saw in round one, we saw the uh, hell we've seen it a bunch, right? And obviously we didn't see it yeah. much in 2020. But let's just go back to the most famous example, 2019, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. I mean, I don't, I don't, what's, I don't remember the 2019 finals too well. You guys know my memory is not awful, but did Clay missed 
did he miss game five or did he just tore his ACL in game six? No, like, no, he, he just tore his ACL. Okay. In game but six. Kevin Durant in game five. So we all remember that Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. you know, comes out of the gate hot. He scores 12 points in 11 minutes. And then what happens? He comes out and he yeah. tears his Achilles. Right. And it happens, you know, he decided to play, but this is the risk you're putting yourself at. If you're not a hundred percent, because you have to compensate in other places. Cause I think he was dealing with some kind of knees thing or ankle thing. I can't remember. Yeah. It but was, it, um, if I'm not, uh, mistaken, it was part of like a, a high ankle sprain or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And we saw earlier this playoffs too. Obviously this, he, this guy did not get injured in that terrible of a way. The second time we saw Anthony Davis already in this playoffs, come back prematurely and try to play after being injured. So if Harden is willing to live with the results of maybe getting injured again after, because I, JD could be totally right. He could be healthy. I just, I just, you can't say, we don't know. We're not in those medical. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Like, and I think that, Hey, if it's a risk he's willing to take, then by all means. And, um, if it's a risk he's willing to take, by all means, I'm going to put this out on Wednesday. So we'll find out. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday and putting this out on Wednesday. We'll find out how he plays after the fact. But just it, it's, a, it's a risk and it's a risk they're going to have to take. It's a, it's a risk they're going to have to take and it's going to be it's going to be really I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of minutes we're looking at with him. You know, is he going to play like, you know low thirties. Is he, is he going to get the the all clear? Is he going to get like 20 minutes? I mean, I don't think there's been a lock of what's going to happen there yet. We're just going to have to find out in game five, how that works. Um, I mean, I think Alex, you're right. If, if he's, if he's saying to the medical staff, I want to play, I want to play, even though the medical staff might be saying, Hey, it might be better for you to be out but it doesn't mean you can't play, but I think you got to trust. Then you got to go with the player, Mm -hmm. right? Because the medical staff is doing what they can. And like you said, Alex, we're not in those meetings, but I would have to think the medical staff was probably pretty firm on him not playing. And then Harden coming out and saying, Hey, I'm going to play Kyrie Irving's out. I'm going to play. Can we beat Milwaukee with one guy? Probably not. Right. This is it. To me, I think Harden, obviously, I'm curious to see how he's going to play. Um, I mean, he's really only played 45 seconds. Right. I mean, so we don't really know how they're going to match up with him. Uh, you know, we can obviously project a lot of things, but we really don't know. Uh, we know how the, 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 you know, we know how the Bucks want to play Durant. We know they want to be physical with him. And that kind of leads me into my next question. And Alex, I'll have you start with this one. Um, I mean, really, what happened last game, Alex, the physicality of the Milwaukee Bucks was getting to Durant. He was complaining to the refs. He was, he was doing a lot of stuff that was a little, you know, it wasn't, it's not like him. It's not like him because he's typically a a pretty calm and a calm guy who doesn't let anything get to him. Uh, But he was really emotional. I felt, and I have to think the Bucks are going to do it again. Now, maybe the, you know, the refs call some different fouls or something that wasn't called last game. But how do you think that the physical play will, will handle itself in game five? Oh, they, I mean, JD and I were discussing this in our group chat last night because it was late and JD and I were the only ones who were up. Um, JD, I'll just throw this to you real quick. How, how quick did you say 
or how many minutes did you say PJ Tucker was gonna uh, play tonight due to foul trouble? Well, I say seventeen or twenty-three. Yeah. So it's gonna be that kind of game where PJ's not gonna be able to stay on the floor. The floor fort. <laughs> he's not gonna be able to stay on the floor because he's gonna be in foul trouble. He is going to get. You know, they aren't going to give them that benefit of the doubt. Scott Foster, for all the criticisms you have of him, he lets you play through a lot of stuff. He's an old school referee that way. And Scott Foster, to my knowledge, is not refereeing game five. So you are going to have a lot, not maybe less physical of a game. You're going to have a lot. Tonight's game is going to drag because they are going to cause so many fouls on both sides because Blake is playing fucking dirty out there too. And not like, I'm not saying like, you know, he's, you know, doing the people's elbow on guys out there. Blake being Blake. (laughs) Yeah. He's, you know, he's hitting guys. Blake being Blake. I, I love it though. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm like, you know, I'm not criticizing him or anything. He's getting, okay. It's not, maybe not dirty. He's getting down in the mud. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You know who he learned that from though. You got to think early in his career. Chris came in. He was going against Zebo. He was going against Zebo and Perk in the playoffs and Ibaka and Mark Gasol. He sure. picked up some tricks. Oh yeah. He, yeah, he you, picked you, up some tricks. It, Hey, Alex, just to clarify, the referees for the Milwaukee-Brooklyn game in Game 5, James Capers, Ben Taylor, Michael Smith, and ladies and gentlemen, Ken Maurer. Oh, hell. All right. And they're they're calling every foul tonight. They're, they're gonna, so they're probably going to call every foul. K, K, KD going for 45, Harden going for 33. And they're calling every foul tonight. Are they going where they are? <laughs> oh, Hard, Ted free throws a lock for Hard, for Durant at least. Harden taking 17 free throws. KD going to give you 16. It's going to get to the point where <laughs> the first KD, KD first 12 points, eight of them will be free throws. And then he just going get, to get that rhythm and he going to cook the rest of the game. PJ Tucker has got to be grateful that Tony Brothers isn't going to be there because there was a there was a Tony Brothers game this weekend. I don't remember which game he officiated. He's like, nah, fuck this. It's Tony Brothers time, baby. Let's go. And he started calling everything. Yeah. He started, and they got to their PJ has got to be so grateful that he's not. <laughs> that yeah, Tony right. Brothers is not calling this game because <laughs> Tony Brothers is like, let's well, ISO ISO time, baby. Well, and, and I think game three Phoenix Denver. I think. That sounds about right. It, it, the physicality is, you know, obviously how much will be allowed is going to be a huge factor, not even just in game five, but in general for the entire series, how that gets played out and how that's going to be called, I think will affect Milwaukee in terms of winning the series. Now, the aspect that I think is important for them, Alex, and you and I have had conversations about this, is it's inexcusable for Joe Harris to continue to have these these horrid shooting performances when, when, you, when you're just not buying buckets. The fact is they need Joe Harris because you can't sit there and and rely on Mike James or you can't sit there and rely on Tyler Johnson or bring in uh Tim you know you you can't bring in TLC okay you you're you're looking for Joe Harris Harris has to be much better in this game Alex I I I want to I wanted to talk to you about that because I think he's a big factor tonight I think he's got a chance to shift the game a little bit if he can get some shots going like he's been really bad the last two well, Caleb, I think that 
Joe Harris shooting badly is a sign that home court advantage is back, baby. Like we saw last year in the bubble, you know, Jay Crowder shoot for shoot well for an extended 15 game stretch, right? Like in a normal playoff, Jay Crowder is shooting well, like half of those games, right? And I give credit where it's due. You know, he was ready. He made the shots, blah, blah, blah. But now we're seeing, you know, the travel back, you know, sleeping in your own bed. Now we're starting to get back to that regular circadian rhythm of the regular NBA playoffs. And we're starting to see, you know, hell, we thought in the first few games of the series, Chris Middleton didn't start cooking until they got back to Milwaukee. Right. Embarrassing. Well, I mean, it's just it's the way it is. And also the Nets defense on Chris Middleton was really good in the first two games. And then. They kind of ran more screen action for Middleton, blah, 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 whatever. I'm sure we'll talk more about the actual games. But Harris, if he doesn't shoot well, that's going to be so. Okay. Let's just say they have Harden on a 25 minute limit and he gives you 20 and KD gives you 40. You have to get 60 other points. And ideally, Harris is giving you 15 to 20 of those. Yep. And Blake is giving you 10 to 15 of those. So or let's just say not 60, you need like 40 other points. If Harris can give you 15. Okay. This is my prediction. All right. Jeff green Harris scores 15 plus they win the game. I think that's a pretty, he's going for 17 tonight. I guarantee you 17 at the least 26 at the highest. They, they, they win and they win by, I believe three, three to seven points. You locking that in both of you. I mean, I JD's take, is a, JD's take is more of a locker didn't take than mine. He's locking it in. I already see it in his eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah you locking yeah. it in. Man, is a given. I'm telling you, Brooklyn not losing this game. No, I don't. I didn't Ke- think so either. Kevin, Kevin Durant will score 54 if he have to. Kevin Durant is not letting them lose this game. Harden, Harden can come in and score three points. He'll leave with 13 assists with three points and 13 rebounds if he has to. Brooklyn not losing this game. Blake That's- Griffin go get away with a whole lot of stuff. I guarantee you him and Giannis get into it. I will bet you tonight is the night. Blake Griffin get into it with Giannis and P.J. Tucker to the point of a, a, a flagrant going to happen or it's going to be double text multiple times. Blake Griffin is going to muck it up with somebody. And I'm telling you, it's going to be Giannis or P.J. Tucker, and whoever it is, Kevin Durant is going to pick on them the rest of the time. Hellman Harden is going to pick on whoever it is. And yeah. what, what what what's the saying? May the best man win? Yeah. Ain't nobody on that flow better than Kevin Durant. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Caleb, can I, can I ask you a question, though? Sure. So, okay. So we saw in game four, right? Okay. And obviously, you know, Game four, obviously Kyrie goes out, but even when Kyrie was in, I felt like the Bucks, and you know I hate to give credit to Bud, but it felt like you know they were having Brooke play higher on the pick and rolls yeah. when Kevin Durant was going up. It felt like they were using Giannis as a screener and doing handoffs with him a lot more. A lot more. Like, like obviously this stuff should have been implemented during the season. They might have won sixty five games if the, not sixty five. They might have won sixty games if they'd done that all season. Sure. But it's my question to you, Caleb Lynn. Like, do you think those game four adjustments will carry over to game five? And do you think that they can, you know, even with Harden back, do you think they can give the net, the Nets some trouble? I think they're going to give the Nets. I think they're going to give the Nets some trouble. Um, I think 
bud will keep and adjust the same way. I think, to be honest, it, it's, I, I think it'll be one of those things where can they, will they stay long with the adjustments, right? I'm sick and tired of Giannis from three. I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> Everything needs to be free throw line and down. Um, every handoff free throw and down. Um, every, you know, I think, I think they're, they're going to make some tweaks. At least I hope they'll make some tweaks, but I think the adjustments that they made from game four and how they used them will still happen. I just, I would hope that now because they realized it worked when everybody's been calling them to do it for years, that they try to do it in different ways. And my hope is they do it less from the perimeter, but more from like the wing 15, 18 foot area where they can, where they can get Giannis and rolls where they can get drew holiday downhill because breaking news, you guys breaking news. That's an aspect of it that changed in this game is the amount of post-ups drew holiday was able to eat for Mike James on. He was able to eat the perimeter guys of Brooklyn. That has to continue to happen. I don't, I don't think Harden will probably guard him because you're not going to risk it uh, too much on defense. I think Drew Holiday should absolutely have a big game tonight if Milwaukee wins. I'd expect him to have a big game tonight anyway. But I think if he, I think if Milwaukee wins, he'd have to be the big piece to that. But yes, Alex, I think the adjustments will stay the same. And wait, wait, wait. So I guess I'll throw this to JD. I mean, if you're the, so you know, Caleb brought up the post adjustment for Drew Holiday in Game Two or in Game Four. In game four excuse me. Sure. Like. Well, if you're if the only way to get Drew going is to post him up, why not stick Harden on him then? Because Harden can bang with big guys. Why not, you know, say, hey, Harden, or hey, Drew, you try to get past the guy who can bang with the best. Like, he can stop big guys from posting up as much. Like, do you think maybe the, the Nets try that in game five, if Harden's feeling up to it? Only, only on switches, because you got to – Remember, Drew Holiday been handling the ball a lot more for Milwaukee. In the games they win, he handles the ball a lot more. He can he walking these guys down. He not hard not gonna guard him in in those situations where he's his primary defender the entire game. Cause Drew probably is likely to go around him. But if if it's a situation where Drew t- tossed the ball off and go try to uh post up, I think Harden would find his way to switch over to him. But at the same time, if if you Brooklyn, this is why I think you would sell it in this situation alone. Let it let him let him go to work down there. Let Drew go to work down there. I'm I would rather Drew take more shots than Middleton and Giannis because Drew is the best passer. So if we got him scoring versus passing, it means we taking shots from somebody. And honestly, I think the guy I want to take the shots from is Middleton. He's the best all-around scorer, in my opinion. Yeah, Giannis going to get his dunks or whatever. Giannis will be in foul trouble. Sure. Giannis or PJ Tucker, and whoever first goes out, more than likely the other one going to guard KD, and they'll be seeing the same treatment. I don't, I don't see why you don't just let uh, Drew do Drew. Let him, let him score. Put him in the scores mentality. And let me say something. Let me say something because I've been tired of people. Uh, 
picky with this guy, but didn't get on Middleton as much. I feel like it's a lot of bias when it comes to the media and um, people in sports that 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 call themselves analysts. Why didn't you hear much about Chris Middleton having two bad games? But you heard way more about y'all know who I'm finna go with. Mm-hmm. Five for 15, 2010 assists, Paul George. But Middleton shoots completely terrible. It looked like he wasn't even in. Kyrie Irving led the game with four blocks and three of them came off Middleton. We didn't talk about this, though. But we talk about when they win there, how he's such an integral part. But we ain't talk about when he did bad. Chris Middleton is the key to their success if you look at this series. Just look at this series. Yeah. Last game, um, what was it? He came, him and Giannis both scored 14, 16 in the first quarter. I know they, they pretty yeah. much had sure. all of their points, but two. Yeah. He yeah. – he didn't he didn't have another quarter like that. He didn't he didn't explode in any other quarter, which was why the game got a lot closer. Know what I'm yeah. saying? And I feel yeah, like yeah. Middleton really is the key to their success because as long as Drew can get Middleton going, they they gonna be in it. Sure. Sure, to counter Alex, the only thing I would say is the issue, Alex, is when you're low post defending, you're working on the lower half of your body, right? I don't, I think with Harden, am I willing to risk? It's like you said, it's, it's, that's the problem is if, if, if he, that would have to go back to JD's point, which is that he's actually healthy, but they're just playing it cautiously. But if he's, if he's really, if he's really hurt, then I, I don't like it at all. Because Drew, Drew, say what you guys want to say. Even if he does shoot a lot, you know, Drew is not a joke on the block. He's oh, no. smart. He's instinctive. He knows what to do. He makes the right plays. He a bucket so for sure. I, yeah. I, so to me, it's it's it's. I mean, a lot of it's just going to depend on how healthy is Harden. But if Harden's, you know, ninety percent, I don't know. If he's ninety percent or a higher number pick that number, then I'm probably comfortable with it. But that, that'll be interesting to see. And, um, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, on the Milwaukee side of things, I mean, look, you know, obviously the Drew situation we talked about, but the Giannis aspect of this, um, look, I, I think I think he's had a – I mean, he's had a great – he's had a good series. You know, Alex, I know you and I talked about how he's had some um, – one of those, like a bad game, but a good game at the same time. Um, do you think that that's most likely to happen in this game? Do you think he'll have a bad game, but a good game? You know what I'm saying? I, I you, you might have a way to phrase that better, but you and I have always texted that, uh, that lingo. So I think JD would agree with this statement. Game three, Giannis had a great bad game. Like, that's the way I phrased it. Like, he was really bad in the game. The numbers looked great. But, like, you know, he was settling for threes. I mean, Giannis is no one's idea of a perimeter defender. He's really, you know, he's a post player. This is what Dylan and I have been trying to say all season. If you listen to the Power Hour, we've been trying to say Giannis needs to be playing the post on offense and on defense. He can't guard the perimeter. If he tries to guard KD, KD cooks him every single time. Like, yeah, he had the Been one block. Doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> years. He had the one block in the regular season game, right? But I think the best way to use Giannis 
would be to use him as the guy. So let's just say, you know, Giannis's man is coming up to set the screen. You know, don't switch. You trap, right? And if you're, if you're getting trapped by those long arms, then you're going to be in a really impossible position. But we know Bud's not the best coach. Ain't that We've, what I said, Caleb? Use Giannis yeah. as a trapper. Yeah. Great minds yeah. think alike, J- think alike, JD. So that's, but I mean, it's it seems obvious, but Giannis, Giannis and AD share a lot of similarities, right? They both should be playing the five a lot more. Their jumpers, they both think their jumpers are a lot better than they actually are. Although in AD's case, he has a case for believing in his jumper, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Like Giannis should not believe in his jumper at all. He yeah. shouldn't be shooting any further than 16 feet i've said multiple times multiple variations on twitter and in our various texts and group chats i i want to pull my hair out when Giannis shoots threes yeah. i would find him five hundred thousand every time he shoots a three with more than two seconds on the shot clock i would find you know i would bench him every time he shoots a three yes. it's, yes. Really, yes. It's, an, it's an impediment to the team like yes it's really like Words can't describe how catastrophic it can be when he shoots <laughs> when he shoots a three with more with like 15 seconds that, left on right. the shot clock and his right. guy's in the paint. That's not, that's what they want you to do. Right. And I have to quibble a little bit with something you said, Caleb, just a, a little bit ago. You said make the handoffs a little less deep. I disagree. Here's why. If you want to do handoffs, you keep Giannis about the three-point line. And then you, Blake is in the paint. Okay. And let's just say Brent Forbes runs off a handoff, right? Sure. You get Brent Forbes off the handoff and he's wide open from three because Giannis's guy is in the paint and no one's there to step up. Like that's basically what the Suns have been doing with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker all, you know, obviously they're not playing off of Booker and or Ayton, but like oh, in the last series, Jokic had to play a lot of drop because of CP3 and they were exploiting that because Ayton was setting really good screens. That's the way to beat a drop coverage is to set really good screens. Yeah. I just think the problem with, with that Alex is we know that Forbes, every time they do a dribble, with all due respect, like the guard in the situation, fill the blank on the guard, isn't going to shoot every single time on the handoff. And if I'm keeping Jan, if Giannis is doing what I think he's been doing, which is keeping himself above the free throw line too many times, then I'm I'm having to do exactly what Brooklyn Brooklyn's goal right now, Alex. You and I talked about this. Is they're trying to put together this wall? It's not as good as my. It's not as good as Miami's was. It's not. It's not in that vicinity. But like that's what their goal is. It's a whole lot easier to start the wall when Giannis is at the three point line than when Giannis is 18 feet away. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's there's some obviously there's good and bad things to it. Like you said. Yes, I, I might leave Bryn Forbes open, but how many times is he actually going to shoot it? Because there, there's going to be times where the Bucks are going to say, look, we got to get the ball to Giannis. Like, we got to get the ball to him. We might have to call a dribble handoff, but he's our best player. We have to get it to him. And if, if, you, if you do it from the 18 feet range, I just feel as if I know what you mean. You know, maybe there's a little, but I think it would benefit Giannis more I, is what I'm saying. I think it would benefit Giannis more. It may not benefit the team more to have to have Giannis at that, you know, do dribble handoffs 18 feet in. But I think it would benefit Giannis to have it right there because then I think he can just go right up. Well, he, here's an idea. So, like, 
I say run Bryn Forbes off the handoff, but you know, why not get Drew or Middleton sure. off some movement, get the handoff, and then you know, either they can pull up for three. Drew is not the best three point shooter, but Middleton's pretty decent at it. Yeah. Or yeah. or you get them both in the mid range where they're both pretty sure. damn good. And they get a wide open jumper from there. I think, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different ways to attack this drop coverage Yeah. that, you know, if you practice practice against drop coverage all the time, you would think you would know how to exploit it. Alas, I'm into that. Alas, you know, it's whatever. But I, I, JD, you're on mute. But I, being a ahead. team that drops as much as Milwaukee do, right? How don't you know how to do, beat what you do? I, I agree. It's it's really I agree drops. What what is what what has been the thing that they said for the last three four years? We'll give up the three no layups. We'll give up the three no layups. How the hell don't you know how to stop that same thing from happening to you? Yeah. How don't you know how to defend what you what you do? Yeah. (laughs) It, it, It it it's funny to me like that that's even a conversation because you would think that if this is my strength, I should know the weakness of it. I should right. know everything right. about this. If this is your specialty, you supposed to know the ins and outs of the, this completely. What was Golden State thing when everybody said go to State, shoot a lot of threes, they shoot a lot of threes. A lot of Golden State threes were wide open threes. <laughs> corner threes yeah I mean they they attacked the rim relentlessly which made the threes become such a thing that everybody seen because we all know Steph and Clay not down shooters right but it was Draymond doing the back lobs that said okay now we gotta send a help defender over before you know it now you got them in rotation which lead to a Steph for Clay three or, or at the time, a Harrison Barnes, a Igor Dalla, Barbosa. We know the first championship run team. A bunch of highly skilled guys that knew how to shoot the three. What did they do? They learned teams like Houston going to want to beat us shooting a three. What are we going to do? Make them tough threes because they not attacking yeah. the realm the yeah. same way we are. They shooting more threes. Milwaukee got to have the same mentality. If right. we play the drop... We have to know what beats it. What look at what Kawhi and Paul George do every time Rudy Gobert's uh in the drop. Either they they pull him out to ISO him and they still shoot a jump shot, or they walk right into a mid-range. Right. This is what you do to the drop. How don't you understand what to do? And this is what you guys use. Middleton and Drew Holiday should live shooting, shooting yeah. in the mid-range every time Blake drops. Every time. Every time every time it's a drop. They should go right into the mid-range pull-up. The problem is now we icing out our best player. This becomes a Milwaukee problem where you got a question. Can we win as Giannis as our best player now? Because he is he limits what we can do because what we need is not his expertise. Can we win with him as our best player when what we need right now is what he just cannot do? You got to ask yourself certain questions. When, when, when MB went down yesterday, what 
what what was the one thing anybody that know I've been saying this is one person on that team I feel got the talent, but he cannot never step up when he need to. It's Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris should have did the same thing we talking about right now. Just step into it, not down the shots. They can't guard you anyway. You eight for fifteen. You go berserk. Ben Simmons, sure. we Ben Simmons is the guy that we know who don't have the aggressiveness and don't have the expertise to kill the other team's drop coverage. Because Capella was doing the same thing we talking about, just dropping. Tobias should have lived. He didn't. We gonna see the same thing if Milwaukee do that. Cause as soon because they don't have an MB who can who can feast. You instantly are stuck with a Ben Simmons and a Giannis yeah. who yeah. expertise. Cause you take and beat out Ben Simmons is Philly's best player, right? Him and Giannis, expertise. Attack the rim. Attack the rim. You can't stop them from doing that. But then when you play the drop and you take the ball from out of their hands, sure. They can't they not even involved in the play now. What they gonna do? Play the back line, put back. Giannis is not great at that. We can put Ben Simmons on the back line. You can't put Giannis on back. Giannis can't play like that. And they have the people to make this happen. But the problem is you icing out your best player. Right. So can we win knowing our best player can't attack the defense that he's so comfortable going against? Because Giannis, cause Giannis love playing against the drop because you're going to keep falling back so far. All he got to do is jump and he's on your head. But when they yeah. built that wall against him, then we see what we was just talking about, the long shots. And this this is why you need a Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to be ultra aggressive. But when you icing out your guy, what what can we do now? Sure. Sure. So I, I pulled up cleaning the glass while you were talking, JD, because you you were talking about Middleton needs to take more of his shots from the mid-range. Well, surprisingly, in this playoffs, 25% of his shots have come from 16 to 23 feet. So like a good amount of his, or I guess that would be 15 to 23 feet. That's, you know, 33 of his, 33 of his shots. And he's drawn four fouls on those. So that's a pretty good percentage for Middleton. But Drew is only at 12% from 15 to 23 feet. Yeah, that's not. That needs to go up. Yeah. And speaking of shot locations, would you like to guess what percentage of Giannis's shots are at the rim? Caleb, I'll start with you. <laughs> um. 34. Okay, that's a little too low. JD, do you have a guess? Would you like to get some of Giannis' shots? Okay. Anything less than 90, I feel he's wasting his talent. Mm -hmm. But I will say, geez, because I don't like watching Milwaukee play. Um, I'm I'm, going to go... In between 53 to 60, I'll, I'll fall on 57. I'm a <laughs> you were close. You should have just not gone in between. 53% is exactly how many of his shots. How do you do it? You, I know you didn't know that one because they haven't said that on a broadcast at all. But so 53 I just watch a lot. <laughs> I just watch of, the game a lot. Yeah. 
53% of his shots come at the rim. Then 23% of his shots come from that 14, four to 14 foot range, which, you know, it's basically the paint 76% of his shots. Like, and it feels like some of those shots need to be reallocated towards the actual paint rather than the short mid range personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing with, with Giannis the reason I went with a low number is because it definitely feels like he could do more than he than he is doing based off that stat, Alex. It seems like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, you know, high percentage for him, it makes sense. But when you watch him, it doesn't seem like it's a high percentage because of the amount of times you often see him settling. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think that's, I think to me, that's the the big thing to keep in, you know, hopefully he, he won't settle as much. And, and like you said, I mean, if Bud's adjustments are real, then you're going to see less settling. You're going to see more attacking. So we'll see where that goes. I'll do my, uh, I real quick here. Uh, let's do the trivia. I did the trivia for, uh, mm-hmm. for us this week. So I got, I got three questions for you guys. So JD, I'm Nets. leaning on you again. So the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they they have they've been used to a lot of guys being in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, there's been there's been plenty of talk on that. I'm not going to get into that, uh, but I am going to say that there is a certain amount of, of players that have played for Brooklyn this season, and a certain amount of lineups that Brooklyn has had this season, and they're all records. Uh, so we'll start with the players. How many players? have been a part of a bit of the Nets this season. How many players? All right. Uh, JD, I defer to your better judgment, but it's definitely between 20 and 25. Let me see. So Mike James, well, you have to add in the, all the guys they shipped off too. So they shipped off Allen. I'm going 31. Yeah. I'll lean with JD there. 31. Yeah. Final answer. 27. Different ah, players, twenty-seven different players. Because now I was, I was stuck in between twenty-seven to thirty-one, but I went, I went to the high end that time. Yeah. Twenty-seven. I read it on an article today. I was like, "Ooh, that's a cool question." Shout out the athletic for that. Uh, the lineups. Uh, how many lineups has this team put together this? Season? This one's gonna be a lot harder. So what? Like just lineups it, or starting lineups? Yes. Um, starting twenty-six. No, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess forty. Final answer? Yes, for me. Final answer for JD? Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm just throw the tally. Thirty-eight. Alex, two off. Thirty-eight. That was so close. I'll give it to you. The only so time close. in my life I'll ever beat JD at anything trivia related. Oh, that was so close. That was so close. I, I just okay. had to get a number out because I I remember like halfway through the oh. season it was at like fourteen and they was only like oh that was close. I believe it was like 24, 22 games in. I'm like, bro, I'm not keeping up with this. It's like I'm pretty sure there's a version of their lineup where they started Levert and Dinwiddie. Like in the Memphis game, or I can't believe I remember the Memphis game, but they, I remember they, they load managed Katie and Kyrie in the yeah. third game of the season. And everyone's like, well, it's the third game of the season. Why are you load managing, bro? Like, I was all for it. My guy be getting low managed. <laughs> that was a low, low voice for Alex. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Brooklyn, obviously, their offensive rating has been fantastic this season. It's the most efficient in basketball history. 
No surprise. What is their offensive rating? So, okay, I know last year the Mavs were at 116.7. So it's higher than that. I'm I'm stuck between 119, 126. Lower, I'd say lower end. Probably. I'm 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 gonna go 123. I'll I'll go I'll, I'll go 121, but it's somewhere in that range. It's 121. Final answer. Final answer. 117.3 points per 100 possessions mm. for the Brooklyn Nets offense. Yeah, and I know the Mavericks last year were like really like. There's a new best offense in NBA history every year because the year before that, the Rockets were the best offense in the history of the NBA. So it, there's a new one every year at this point. Yeah, next year, Brooklyn's just going to go higher. I don't know, man. If yeah. New Orleans adds some people, they might have the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA. You never know. They're going to lose Lonzo. I hope so. <laughs> going to lose Lonzo. So- they're, they're trading Ingram to my Raptors. Let's go. Uh, Through nine playoff games. <laughs> Kevin Durant has been pretty sensational, of course. Um, and obviously, he's been putting up his fair share of great shooting nights, etc. What? How many points is Kevin Durant averaging through his nine playoff games this season? Uh, it was 31 before last game. Um, oh, what was – what is well, he at now? How many did he have last game, 25? Um, I do not remember what he had last game. I was. Um, I'm gonna guess 29.3. Okay. If it was 31, because he definitely scored. It was less. 21. I mean 31. It's it's 29 some, but I still think he's closer to 30. I'm gonna go 29.8. Final answer. Yeah. 31.3. 31.3. How many playoff games Sunday? Throughout through nine playoff games, Durant is averaging thirty-one point three points on fifty percent shooting, including forty-two point six percent from three-point range. Yeah, according to the uh, the Brooklyn. Yeah, to, I I looked it up on the uh, the Brooklyn the Brooklyn website, double checked it, and then I dang maybe I seen that after the game. I knew it was thirty-one yeah, around that time. Yeah, you did, you did. I thought you were just gonna go right for it and be like thirty-one and shock the world, but. It's all right. This one it is. Fun little game of trivia. Um, then we'll move forward to the uh, to the next series. Um, and I'm not even going to say anything because apparently uh, the founder of this network has to come on and rampage my pod because he feels like he has to say something. So, Alex, <laughs> what do you have to say? What do you have to say? I have to say you took me out of context. Oh, my I have to. I have to say. You, you and Zach Griffin in particular. <laughs> I can't get mad at Bryce. You know, I, 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 it comes with the territory with Bryce Shaddy. That's that's understandable. You and Zach, though, you and Zach, though, need to be better. Okay, you are acting like I said this man is Derrick Rose after Game One of the 2012 Eastern Conference playoffs against Philadelphia. Cooked. That is not what I said. I said he was cooked for that series. And for the record, he looked awful against the Lakers. Okay. I don't know how he did it. I have theories. I'm not going to say those theories, but he looks a lot better in this Suns in in this Nuggets series than he did against the Lakers. Against the Lakers, he was kicking the ball away. He was doing things I've never seen Chris Paul do before. He couldn't shoot those first couple of games. I don't know if his, you know if he prayed to God and God just touched his shoulder and said, "Here, it's healed now, Chris." I don't know if he, you know, if he tried a Ouija board and, you know, maybe that fixed his shoulder somehow, he did not look this good. He looked really good against the Nuggets. I will grant that. But against, I don't know how the shoulder healed that quickly. That's that. I just, it's, 
it seems weird to me. That that was my objection to what you and Zach and Bryce all said. Okay. Sure, Alex. Sure, Alex. He was kicking the sure. like I've never seen Chris Ball lose the ball sure. when, he's, when he's driving to the basket. I've never seen that before. Like don't, I don't say Chris Paul is cooked. I said cooked for it. this series. And to in be general. Fair, if you can't take if you can't put my words into context, then what are we doing here? You can't say Chris Paul is cooked. Just in general. <laughs> Just in general. Listen. Okay. I didn't say he was I didn't say he was gonna have to retire after the season, right? I didn't say he was done. No. He just looked bad and it looked like he wasn't gonna get any better with any rapidness. Apparently, again, you know, God came down and blessed him. You know, he prayed to the good Lord Almighty, came that Lord came down, blessed him. But I, I just I don't understand. It defies all logic. It defies all explanation how he's suddenly improved. He was so bad against the Lakers. And I don't feel like I'm wrong for saying that. Like he really after game one. So, OK, for the series, Chris Paul, nine points a game on 38 percent from three, 20 percent or 38 percent from the field, 20 percent from three. He was refusing to shoot. They were leaving him wide open behind the arc. They were basically saying, oh, hey, Chris, here's a wide open three if you want it. And to his credit, he d- he refused it. He, Chris Paul, even while he was hurt, was still getting to his spots. I have to give him credit for that. But they won that series off the backs of DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Okay? Plain and simple. And Anthony Davis's injury. But Caleb, they won the two games where Anthony Davis was healthy pretty convincingly. I can't help but feel like the Anthony Davis injury was a factor in the Sun series. I really can't. You can, you know, the Suns are good. I'm not denying that. They look like the best team in the Western Conference right now. But JD disagrees, and I would like to see them against the Clippers or the Jazz. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can I just say this, though? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. let, let me just say this. Yeah. Before anybody take this the wrong way, anybody that knows me know Chris Paul, my favorite point guard of all time, Hillman, MVP, Derrick Rose. But let me just say this. They haven't played a healthy team. It's not hard to look this great when you haven't beat a fully loaded team. But at the same time, I'm not trying to take anything away. I'm just saying we haven't seen a weakness due to that. But they've been asking the cue at everything they've been trying. So, yeah, they, they, they are very much dangerous. I'm just saying. We haven't seen them tested yet. We haven't seen they back against the wall at no point. Because even versus the Lakers, yeah, they that little short loss, can't really say they back was against the wall. The Lakers didn't even come in um, healthy. And Phoenix just missed shots that game. It's not like the Lakers just beat on them. They just missed shots that game. They execution stayed the same. We haven't really seen them tested. That's 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 the only thing that I would say about that. But I think they look pretty phenomenal. They, they look. <laughs> they really, look pretty phenomenal. They look yeah, they really look. good. My only objection was just that you guys are acting like I made him out like he was some kind of bum now, which against the Lakers he didn't look very great, and that's all I was trying to say. Like he looked really bad. And wait, are we sure he didn't just look good in this series just because he was being guarded by Compazzo? Like, are we sure? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not saying nah, he's composite. He, 
He broke their defense down. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm saying, but this is my thing, though, Caleb. Like, JD's <laughs> right about the about the thing. But oh. it could, he looked – how does he go from looking so bad? I'm just trying to find an explanation here. You need to help me ex- understand something because okay. my eyes weren't lying to me. Chris Paul was not Chris Paul in the Lakers series. Sure. Like, he wasn't. How does he go from that? Because I'm – you know, I was joking about the hands, the hand of God coming down and touching him, but going from being guarded by Schroeder and Caruso to Compazzo and Monte Morris will really help a guy look a lot better. Like I'm, I think Chris Paul is fine now, but like I think that we can't discredit the fact that the Sun, the Nuggets were playing. If their whole guard rotation was healthy, Compazzo is probably not seeing the floor, and Rivers is Rivers isn't on the team. So we got to take that into account. <laughs> Look, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, Alex, we're talking about a player, top 30 guy who just got hurt, who figured himself out and looked like a top 30 player in the NBA. That's what he looked like. I mean, I had it before, you know, Mitchell and uh, Trey started showing out. He was in my top sure. 20. Sure. Like, I, you know, I'm very high on Chris Paul's abilities. And sure. he, you know, he did his thing against the Nuggets. But, and I don't, I don't, let, let's make this clear too. I don't think there's any teams left with the exception of Milwaukee that has any guard defenders that'll make Chris Paul look as bad as the Lakers guards could, right? Like, I don't think there's like, I don't think, because we don't know how healthy Conley is going to be if he, if slash when he comes back. And I, I'm just like, I'm being practical here. Like Chris Paul, there's a good chance he looks good for the rest of the playoffs because I don't trust Reggie Jackson on defense. Um, Chris Paul will make Beverly foul out within five minutes if the Clippers advance to the the conference finals. Um, and then you go, like, I don't when, trust any... When, when could I lead them to advance? Well, you know, I have to play the if game, JD. I have to play the if. I have to be a fair and balanced analyst. But this is, this is my thing, though. And I... I'm give, I'll give Chris credit. He looked really good against the Nuggets, like a lot better. I I just I'm struggling to imagine why that's so, right? Like you, you don't know, norm- drop 37. You don't <laughs> drop 37 just because somebody's not that good guarding you, Alex. I mean, yes, you can. Oh we saw, my god. We saw Tobias Harris do it in the first round against the Wizards. Oh my and you disrespected Washington like it was nobody's business. Jeez. And you're gonna defend him. Washington and you're gonna what? defend him. Washington is the worst team oh to make my. the playoffs. Oh my. I'm not going to say in a long time, probably since the, the 13, 14 Hawks that had a, a fucking bald dude starting for them. No, I, I'll take, um, I'll say since they, they was better than the damn Blake Griffin Detroit team. Okay. I'll give them that. They're one of the, they're definitely, they're probably going to be one of the three worst playoff teams of this, like of the 2020s. I think I feel pretty comfortable saying that. The nah, Wizards I ain't are. Go, I, I ain't going to lie. I'm not. <laughs> Anytime we speak on Tobias Harris, is going the wrong way with me. Well, I'm saying Tobias took advantage of that really bad Wizards team. That's what I'm saying. You throw someone with Tobias's ability against the team that's best wing defender is a second-year forward. <laughs> like, yeah, of course he's going to eat. <laughs> And screw Tobias. Or like you throw Middleton, like hell, if you throw Middleton against the, like to throw an exa- a more friendly example JD's way, 
if you threw Middleton against the Wizards, how many points a game is he averaging in that series? 30? Nope. 35. Like Middleton, Middleton would never average 30 in a series. But Middleton, you agree, JD, you throw anybody against the Wizards, they're going to eat. Yeah, like they not. They don't got to be a good defensive team. I'm just saying that. I I I, I don't know. I'm not gonna say I can't compare Chris Paul and Tobias' abilities. I'm not. I'm not even comparing that though. I'm saying, like, yeah, you throw someone, you throw an elite NBA player against subpar players, they're going to eat. I don't think Tobias and Chris Paul are in the same conversation at all. But you throw. Chris Paul, Caleb, I said I had Chris Paul in the top 20 a couple minutes ago. What the fuck is that face for? Your disrespect of Chris Paul's series is ridiculous. I'm not. He had a great series. But I think, I, again, I just find it odd that he had the worst playoff series of his career by far, and then he goes off and has this one. I just find it odd. His playmaking, his playmaking was always there. His shot was obviously not ideal, but his playmaking was there throughout that entire yeah. series. I mean, listen, he comes he out, he has great playmaking he again. Plenty of plays. He made and then he just figures plays. out his shot. 41 to 5 assist to turnover ratio. Nothing to sneeze at. I don't want anyone to think I'm disrespecting Chris Paul. I mean, okay? if, you, if you look in, in his shoot around, he was literally adjusting his shot throughout, throughout his shoot around the entire Lakers series. So, yeah, he was hurt, but I mean, the series didn't last that long. So it's not hard to find that shot when you taking days off to to that's, get yourself together. And that's JD. That's all I was looking for was a logical explanation. That's a logical explanation, Caleb. I don't need you to make faces at me when I'm. All I'm asking for is like, okay, why is he better? I JD. Thank you. You were you know you were gave me a polite. Explanation. Caleb's over here making faces like no, I, you know, I'm not. I, killed I gave man. you the reasons. I gave you the reasons. <laughs> He's continuing to be a great playmaker. That was always a part of his game. But he and he shot, continued that against the he continued that against the Nuggets. He again. shot 38% from the field. His shot was significant. He shot significantly smarter. He got to his spots better. He yeah. was he getting to his, for his spots. spots better. He no, was he was not in the Lakers series. Not in the Lakers series. Okay, then no, you're he was not. High points. No, he was not. You're yeah, and then point. he and then he comes in. And does you asked me what you said was how did he all of a sudden get better? I'm telling you how he got better. He got better because he picked his spots better. He got he picked his spots better. He knew the timing of his his stops. He comes out. He has better shooting because he picks his spots better. The playmaking was always there, so he wasn't gone. The playmaking was always there. Just the shots weren't going down. All of a sudden, the shots are going down. But to sit here and say that he just because of Compazzo and Morris, his <laughs> stats were inflated. Give me a break, Alex. Well, I'm 37 in a closeout. Give me a break. Well, I'm saying Give me a not, break. he's not putting up 37 on like, you know, on DeJounte Murray. You know what I mean? In this, He's thing. one of the best point guard defenders in the league, Alex. Okay, fine. Of course he's, he's not, not putting 37 on him. He's, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, we're, you're jumping from Caruso and Schroeder, who at baseline are 75,000 times better on defense than Composo maneuvers are. Like, I know Caruso's a beam. His defense is very good. And Schroeder's defense, in spite of him losing a lot of money, is still very good. Like, I know, you know, we overrated. like to joke about it. I mean, sure, but it's not JD, even his, if it's overrated. That's overrated. But JD, even if it's overrated, he's still, you have to agree, he's still 70 times better than Composo. 
I, I, maybe. Doesn't work as hard as Campazzo. Doesn't work as hard as Campazzo. That's for absolute sure. I mean, I, I, I can't say that. I, I, I can't give. I can't go with Chris Paul's success being on the back of Capazzo. I, I, I'm okay. Maybe I went a little too far, but I'm saying I'm just trying to find a reason. And Caleb, I, mean, I need that thank you to be audible. <laughs> I saw you make the thank you face, but I, you know, it makes sense when JD explains it like that, where Chris Paul is going through shoot around, finding different ways to work through the shoulder because that shot looked ugly in the first round against yeah. the Lakers. I, I, I watched the shoot arounds and you could see he was bringing it up. It was like Lonzo shot his mm-hmm. first season. He was he was literally just bringing it up there. I think maybe to get his shoulder loose or whatever the situation was. But I seen him finding ways to get the shot up. It just, it started falling. I mean, he got comfortable, had some days off to rest and get it together. I that, yes. and it's, it's a totally reasonable explanation and it makes yes. a lot of sense. Like, yes. Yes. And he got, he, he adjusted his, ang- he adjusted his angles on the shot, which is obviously hard to do. It's hard to do when you have the shoulder thing. And when you've been shooting the same four- way for 30 years. Right. And then he comes, he comes in and he has to completely adjust that because obviously whatever he's, whatever's happening with the shoulder and how he comes back and looks like this, we don't know. But at the end of the day, he came out, he worked on his stuff. He's a veteran, his preparation, his work, his craft, it's top notch. He's one of the greatest all time for a reason. I mean, I just, I, I think, I think he just came out. He adjusted what he needed to adjust, and he had a great series. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's because Compazzo and Morris had a huge effect guarding him. I'm just not, Alex. I'm I just mean, not. But let's let's be real though. Those two, I mean, those two as point guard defenders. Yes, I overrated their their impact on Chris Paul's success in the series. But let's not act like those two are, you know, Alvin Robertson and. Uh, Who's Mo no. Cheeks, right? No. Like, let's not act like those, no. you know, I'm trying to trying to think of great point guard. Oh, Gary Payton and Nate McMillan. Why sure. didn't I go there immediately? Sure. But like, I, 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 Chris Paul played great, right? Like he really bounced back. And if he can sure. keep this up, I would say, like, I don't think the Clippers have anyone that can guard him. And unless Conley comes back 100%, which we know isn't going to happen, even if he does sure. come back and they yeah. somehow beat the Clippers. Like, I don't think there's really any, I don't think Conley can guard him. Like, I don't, if he's playing like this. So, I think you you misconstrued what I was saying. Like, I think that being guarded by Compazzo and Morris made his life a lot easier. And in essence, you know, this combined with the days off, that's kind of like a break from getting guarded by actual defenders. Like, I, I think we underrate the impact P.J. Dozier had for Denver. I, I just, agree. I he agree. Used his, he used his IQ versus Denver. That's that's that all too. I think it was. Like that too. I think he he literally just used his IQ versus Denver. It wasn't about the defenders. It was that they wasn't smart. Like right. he was the smartest person on the floor every play. Every so play. he was able to do whatever he wanted just off he knew the way that they was defending them. It's literally like I I say it all the time. Yeah. Him, LeBron, and Rondo, the smartest players in the game. They can read and see everything to the extent of they break you down at their own will. Rondo, who doesn't have a scoring ability, he's not a scorer, but he's one of the most effective guys in the game. Why? Because of his IQ. 
and that's all it was. I think Chris Paul, being the smartest person on the floor, just took it next level when you're going against. Yeah, they, they might not be as smart, but at the same time, it was guys out there who – Jokic, a very smart guy, right? He the way yes. he the way he read defenses is top notch, right? He made Jokic IQ look pretty minimal. Cause Chris Paul, like, to be as smart as Jokic is, Jokic could have pointed out this is what he's doing. He yeah. couldn't do that. Chris Paul literally just whatever he's seen, he made happen. And it, DeAndre Ayton needs to get credit for that too. I mean, you have to play. You have to play to a certain extent. Right. If you, if Aiton was just average or if he was just not, then then obviously you could dive harder on Paul. But I mean, Aiton's been really awesome in this playoff series. And I mean, you know, let's just get into him while we're already at it. I mean, he he, you know, came out and you were able to one on one against him. You were able to, you know, pretty much do exactly what you needed to do with him on a one on one basis against Jokic. Yeah, he he wasn't afraid. Jokic put up MVP stats, but that that doesn't shock anybody. But the thing that you got to take away from is, I mean, how many, like, if you said to me, just top big guys in the league, and you just started naming some, not in order, but you just started naming some, and you said in his first playoff series, he would have to go against Anthony Davis, top five big men, Nikola Jokic, top five big men. You would say that's like that's like it's awful. <laughs> like that's miserable. Yeah. And he has made it look like a complete professional. He's came out, played really well. I think if the Clippers win, I mean Zubac is gonna be the the Zubac or whoever you've put in at center, Morris, whoever, like Aiton in general, that'll that would be the most beneficial matchup, I think, for him, right? Gobert would give him a challenge, but I don't think Aiton is sitting there afraid. Go bear, go bear, don't give him no challenge, right? So, Alex, I, I what did you think of Aiton's performances and the way that he looked in this series? Well, so okay, I first of all, I'm not this is not any diss towards Aiton, he played phenomenal. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going no, to say I know anything. you're going, I'm not yeah. going to say anything bad about DeAndre. Aiton. He played wonderfully in this series, the way he guarded Jokic. I mean, JD, you got to add him to that good Jokic guarders conversation, like, yeah. Jokic yeah. still blew by him a good amount, right? Like Jokic is still, he's quicker than Aiton considerably, I'd say. But, you know, this is where Aiton had a lot of help. And it wasn't from any Nuggets defenders. It was from the fact that Jokic didn't have his release valve. Now, to kind of steer the conversation in like a little bit of a funny direction for a second. So what is Draymond's main value to the Warriors on offense? Awesome. It, yeah, well, it's passing yeah. is the fact that if you get it to him on the four on three, he is going to make the right decision eight out of 10 times. And during his prime, it was going to be 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. We've seen some we've seen some questionable decisions like floaters against the Grizzlies. But um, Draymond's main value to the Warriors is that he can pass. He can find the open guy. Yeah. Well, Jamal Murray, in a sense, is the Draymond for the Nuggets. And Jokic was missing his Draymond. And you could like. You couldn't really tell in the Nuggets series because Jokic was getting whatever he wanted against Nurkic and Cantor and, you know, Rondé Hellas Jefferson. (laughs) But he, like last year, right? Like whenever the Clippers were, you know, able to stop Jokic, well, here, Jamal, you take take it from the top and you're going to get whatever you want. That was his primary value to the... 
to the Nuggets, and they re- this is the series where they really miss Murray. And because I thought fully oh, I healthy, agree. I thought fully healthy they were the best team in the West. I know JD disagrees, but I thought fully healthy they you know yeah. they looked really great. And I think that I would have been. A, well, even if you disagree, this series would have been a lot more competitive if you Murray get, was healthy. Totally. I, I agree with you, Alex. I think, I think I, it would I have totally been different. Agree. I think it would have been different, but I'll take both the L.A. teams and Phoenix over Denver. I mean, it, Fully healthy. It's tough, but, like, it would, you could at least see the argument, though, J.D., right? Like, I'm not like. Yeah, yeah. it's not like you're just saying anything. Mm-hmm. I see like, what I, you're saying. It's just my opinion. And, like Barton is good, right? Yeah, I like Will. But I think we, you know, in discussing this series, we're like, oh, Will Barton's gonna come back at some point. That's gonna be huge. And I think we kind of underrated the like or we kind of overrated the impact of Will Barton a little bit. Hmm. Like, I think Will Barton's good, but he's not any kind of series changer, right? And then no. Porter Porter Jr. sucked. And that that's he sucked. He really wasn't good in the series. And then you know, then if those guys are all sucking, then you have to rely on Aaron Gordon, which is a problem because we've seen for the I last six, we've seen for the last six <laughs> seasons in Orlando what happens if you rely on Aaron Gordon on offense, right? I love it. I mean, listen, I don't agree that Aaron Gordon's a bum with you know Bryce Shaddy, but no, he's not. Yeah, he's not a bum, but he was he's trash. Not but like he JD, JD, wouldn't you agree though? Like you rely on Aaron Gordon, you're asking for this basically. I man, I would I would love for Aaron Gordon to be the the leading scorer every night. Exactly. We win We're, every game. Like to be the leading shot taker. So like, yeah. Morris was the fourth leading shot attempt guy on the team, or he was third with forty four. Barton somehow took forty three in his three games, and then Gordon was at thirty nine. I mean. Aaron Gordon should not should be taking five shots a game. Like that's plain and simple. The fact of the matter, getting all his stuff off of dirty work. Yeah. If he has to create for himself at all, it's a problem. It and is we, a problem. we saw in this series, the, the Suns were like, Hey, we're going to Aaron, we're going to bait you into being a shot creator. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. So but you got to think though, that's, that's the IQ of a guy like Chris Paul, Monty Williams too. Yeah, that's about to oh, say. Of course, good point. Oh, 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 of course, of course, great culture. But I'm saying mm-hmm. that's why the IQ of Chris Paul was so huge because you couldn't put him in a situation where he was uncomfortable. I'm I'm speaking on what we were talking about earlier, just from the offensive standpoint. He got wherever he wanted. You couldn't force him to not be himself. They could do that to uh, sure. Aaron Gordon. And Money Williams, phenomenal coach. I love Money. Well, and oh, and yeah. I think they got they they got high level impact. Like especially when you're talking about Gordon and you're talking about Porter, Phoenix got a high level of impact from Crowder and Bridges when they Oof. when they needed. Absolutely. Them. That's Absolutely. I mean I think that's a huge factor in this. I'm not and I my boy that, Cam Johnson. Yes, and yes, Tory Craig. Yes, I just think when you look at. When you're talking about the Gordon matchup specifically, don't forget about my boy Frank the Tank. Ah, uh, all right, all right. We apologize. I, 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 yeah, we, we look. I the way that I see, <laughs> but in all seriousness, that's a really good point, Alex. Because I think Aaron, Aaron Gordon can't be a top shot creator. That's that's just not what he is. Um, he's a good player. Um, you know, my co-host is wrong on that. He's a good player. Uh, but I think I think when you're looking at 
the, the, the this in general, I think you have to credit the, the, the Suns' wings as well and how they defended Gordon. Sure, Absolutely. Chris Paul is helpful because he's like a coach on the floor. And Monty's the one executing the game plan, so he's picking his matchups. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we his primary defenders, I, I don't mean to be this simple, but it's the truth. His primary defenders were Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. And, I mean, they, they, they came out and they, they did a great job on him. They made the shots look miserable. They made everything look really, really hard. It was almost like it was, it was sickening to an extent. It felt like it just was making you sick. And, and the same thing with Porter, <laughs> um, which I know, Alex, I mean, you were really liking in the first round. And Porter in this round couldn't make shots. He just couldn't get anything going. And obviously some of that could have been a back injury and how much of a, an effectiveness that had. You know, we don't really know, but, you know, maybe that comes out later. But I, I, it feels like this was a series that, you know, in, in, again, in, you know, again, the Suns were attacking everybody. They were they were making great plays. Guys were picking their spots at the right times. Um, I really liked Mike. I really like Mike Malone. Like, I really like Mike Malone. Alex, I, I know you and I talk about this a lot. I really like Mike Malone. I did not think Mike Malone would get out coached by Monty Williams in the way that he did. Yeah, he got his, he got pants. He got he got ran over, and I I was shocked about that because I think Mike Malone is a top tier guy, and I think Monty Williams is top tier guy. But I, I mean, whatever you're gonna have Monty Williams as, and wherever you're gonna have Mike Malone as, I, I for all the YouTube video people, you can see it. Monty Williams is probably here, and Malone's like here. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 a big drop off now. I thought it was here, and so I, that to me that's that was an interesting factor in this series. And in general, you know, when when we we look at the Suns, look, you know, they're going to have rest to their advantage. I have to think the Jazz and the Clippers are going, you know, a deep series. And Alex and Dylan will have you cover that. Oh shoot, can Alex, I, you're going. No, ahead, can, go I, ahead. can I just do a real quick call out corner? Oh, and oh, shoot, this is going to be tangential. <laughs> this is going to be tangentially. It's not anyone on our network. Okay. You'll see where I'm going with this though. Okay. So okay. the first round series you guys had with involving the nuggets with the blazers. Yeah. All right. This looks really bad for the blazers after I, the Suns blew their fucking doors off. And I'm calling out Neil Olshea. All right. Because you <laughs> said it's not a roster problem. Well, look at what's happening you played the Nuggets and you lost with Damian Lillard, someone who's better than Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I um, apologize if you hear my cat. Um, I just Are got home good? and she she wants attention. But you lost with Damian Lillard again, objectively a better player than Chris yeah. Paul or Booker. And you have you have Nurkic, you have Covington. You theoretically could stop this team with you know Compazzo and Morris. And I think Morris sure. just came back. Before the Portland series. Yeah, Morris, Morris had just came back. So just came back. This looks really bad for the Nuggets because, J.D., I know you love Melo. I love Melo, too. He's a great bucket getter. But relying on Melo as your sixth man in 2021 just doesn't cut it on the defensive no. end. Relying on Cantor off the bench for defense in 2021 doesn't cut it. Right? Melo's still a great scorer. And you can hide Melo. But you couldn't hide Melo on the Blazers. You couldn't. And yeah. that's the problem. Nah, it's too many bad defenders. Too many, like, too many bad defenders. And... I, you guys agree it's a ridiculous premise on its face to say that you guys have no roster problems. You have to trade CJ. I agree. You have to trade CJ. He looked really bad in that series. Really I won't. Bad. I won't Dame out of there personally, but I know you do. I know you do. Let's get him to the. Uh, let's get him to the Kings. <laughs> well, 
and and real quick, Alex, I, I it's a terrific point on Neil O'Shea because I agree with you, Alex. Like, yeah, the roster didn't look good, but then I don't know if this is where you were going. So I apologize if you were going to go here. But in the press conference, he said, Neil O'Shea said, "Well, this isn't on me. Well, this isn't on me. Yes, it is on you. Everybody, when you lose a postseason series, it is on every single person in the organization." If you lose a game, if you lose a, a rec game out in the park and you're playing with four friends and you're playing five on five and you lose and you're just doing it for fun, well, everyone has their own reasons of why they didn't play well and why they didn't win the game. Like, do not sit here and play independent. Not to mention the fact that you've had this core for like years and Too you've long. hardly done any adjustments. Right, right, JD. And you've hardly made any adjustments. To me, that's just, it's... Everybody glorified him in the offseason. Damian Lillard had one of the best playoff games we've ever seen, and they lost. They lost. (laughs) We're not talking about the 2018 Warriors here and LeBron, right? We're talking about the 2021 Nuggets who are throwing out Shaq Harrison as a last resort. (laughs) Like, it's really bad for the Blazers, and it feels like this needs to be talked about more because Old Shea should be gone too. Like, there's no reason he should still have, like, be in Portland. Like, I'm not going to say he shouldn't have a job, but there's no reason he should still be in Portland. Absolutely none. Just the draft. You're, you're the right. draft hasn't been good, right? Like, I know, Alex, you and I like talking about that. The draft hasn't been great. Um, Nasir Simon, Little hasn't played. Simons is legitimately the only draft pick worth a damn, and I don't know if he's good. He good. It's just he don't I get opportunities. Well, he, he does, but the problem is he's an 18-year-old point guard. He should have played in the G League first before, you know, and obviously he's not 18 anymore because he's been in the league a couple of years, but he was 18, yeah. Yeah. and they threw him in the fire, and that's a terrible thing to do to an 18-year-old I point agree. guard. I agree. Yeah. You I want agree. them to run your show, but you got to understand this is first time on the big stage. Mm-hmm. And, think, and he's on a contender, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you, so you're, high you're, expectations. Yeah. Right. Right. I think personally, if if a guy like me was able to get in a job, like I'm telling you, I'd be telling y'all stuff and I'd just be really thinking like, man, if yeah. I could somehow be in the front office of one of these teams, because it's not rocket science to fix these issues that these teams got. It's just you got to have the right personnel as a front office you supposed to construct the best personnel. Yeah. And they don't, I, I feel like Portland literally is trash at it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't convince me otherwise. Like, I feel like they is wasting greatness. Dame, like, Dame should not be going through this. And that is why I say stuff like, I want him out of there. Because Dame is too great to go through this. That's like, he he's the one guy I feel you can't hate if he leave, yeah. just because he gives his all. He had no help in this series. He had no help. Like imagine what they could have did if he had somebody giving at least Reggie Jackson numbers. If sure. he had if he had him a uh, Monte Morris. Of Michael Porter Jr., what they could have done, right? Is it is is it's ridiculous what that team 
ended up be just falling to. Yeah. They nobody could stop Damon CJ. CJ was no help. And I was the guy saying, well, a couple years ago versus Denver, Dame didn't show up for CJ. Was this CJ's revenge? Can we say this was CJ's revenge for that? Because it felt like he was never even on the floor. He was that bad. Like, I don't know. I hated to see it, though. And he he didn't look seasoned. He didn't look polished. It looked like a rookie guard. Like it yeah, looked like a, he had plays that just made him look younger than what he is. He he looked so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like he didn't know what <laughs> he didn't know what his assignment was. No, it, it no. Alex, do you have anything on that or? No, I just wanted to say sorry for the tangent, but I felt like it needed to be said because you guys were getting Bryce shit yesterday for not acknowledging the nuggets, which is, you know, fine, whatever the way they, they went out in a cloud of smoke, but we had, we, I felt like we had to talk about how bad for no, it ended. Yeah. Like I went back. Cause you know, I put out a tweet predicting the first round. I had Portland in seven. I and, did too. <laughs> like there's absolutely, I, I, I'll just close on this. Yeah. They, there had to be wholesale changes and they should have fired Olshay too, because that is just such like, after seeing this, that's just so embarrassing. Yeah. So embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. If I'm the owner, I get rid of everybody. The, the, the problem in Portland is that Paul Allen, you know, died a couple of years ago, making rest in peace. Yeah. And now it's controlled. The team is controlled by his yeah. sister who did not have much of a, as much of a vested interest. Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, Seahawks or the Blazers. If the Seahawks start to uh, go under, that might be your reason why, but yeah, I mean, well, that's a good point, Alex, on the Blazers. I mean, they they didn't end very well, and and that's where that's you know a lot of criticism needs to be had there of their their ownership, the front office, all of it. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where look, um, you know, there's plenty of basketball left. Uh, we have plenty of stuff to look out for. Um, Alex and and you you got your power hour up and rolling for this it, week. You and Dylan, we, we got power hour. We're gonna have a special guest, Zach Griffith. Oh, Zach Griffith. So, so I I wanted to go with someone who hadn't been on you know power hour ever. Caleb's oh, been yeah. on, I believe, and JD's been on as well. So I figured let's go, Zach. You know, it's yeah, great time. I'm jealous. I'm jealous though. I, 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 great JD, one. you can hop on if you want. You know, I'll, the door is always <laughs> open to you, Caleb. You're gonna have to stay off this week, but trust me, we'll be doing pods together. More time together. <laughs> no, I mean there. There's gonna be plenty. There's gonna be plenty coming uh, our, our way. I mean, obviously, uh, the divine rhyme uh, is looking to you know set themselves up for some episodes for you guys. Uh, please check those out. Uh, the Triple Option Podcast right now, just kind of on a TBD, uh, but just something to keep an eye on. They're both active. Uh, they're both talking about football. Devin was tweeting about football the other day. He's missing highlights. So I know they're hungry to get the content <laughs> out to you. So don't be afraid to uh, follow that. The Battleground put out an episode uh, talking about some games and 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 everything going on there. And Classic uh, Dylan's, call out call. And, and I, I still call Alex and I, I think, are like one of the only people that do this. We still do the uh, the Dylan Hughes book. Do not be afraid to get the Dylan Hughes book. Uh, it's 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 a good read. I read it. I'm not just sitting here giving you corporate junk. It's a good read. Please check it out. Uh, it, you know, it, it'll it'll help him out greatly, and and I know he would appreciate it. And it's it's From great one stories. So to another, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's look, take it, get it. 
It's a good read. Facts and stats with JD. I know he's looking to put some out here soon. Uh, so we have yeah. plenty coming for you. Uh, and uh, once again, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in and, uh, you know, keep our eyes on or keep your eyes out. <laughs> keep your eyes out for a bullpen. <laughs>